Welcome back to another episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. This week we are talking about airplane seat switching and the endowment effect, having empathy and understanding our own fallacies. So let's talk about airplane seat switching and how it relates to the endowment effect. So first off, the endowment effect. The endowment effect is a psychological finding that people value things they own more than things that they don't own. So once you have something, you feel like it is worth more than when you don't have it. So if I gave you a cup, for example, suddenly it would be worth more to you than its actual value. You may not have wanted a cup at all. I have a cup on my desk here, uh, just you know, a standard uh, clear cup that you know you can use for refillable for water. It's got a straw, everything. You may not have considered buying one, but once you have it, you'd be loath to part with it. Even if I offered to buy it from you for a reasonable a reasonable price after I had given it to you, so it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Sometimes this idea is also referred to as loss aversion. So loss aversion is a cognitive bias that describes why. For individuals, the pain of losing is psychologically twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining, which is super fascinating. The loss felt from money or any other valuable object can feel worse than gaining the same thing. Loss aversion refers to an individual's tendency to prefer avoiding losses to acquiring equivalent gains. Simply put, it is better not to lose $20 than to find $20. That's quoting from the Decision Lab. So, in one of my favorite books, Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman talks about this and some of the work that he did with Amos Tversky as well. So Kahneman used the very experiment that I was describing with the cup, uh, where they went to various universities and gave mugs out to classes. So students were in these university classes, they would divide them in half. Uh, sometimes they would do a little bit more complicated, but simple version divided in half half the students get a mug. And students could then buy and sell the mugs as they saw fit. Uh, but once half the students in the class owned a mug that they had just gotten for free, the results were dramatic. So quoting from the book, Fast and Slow, we conducted a similar market for an object that we expected people to value for use, an attractive coffee mug. The mug was worth about $6.00. Mugs were distributed ram randomly to half the participants. The sellers had their mug in front of them, and the buyers were invited to look at their neighbor's mug. All indicated the price at which they would trade. The buyers had to use their own money to acquire the mug. The results were dramatic. The average selling price was about double the average buying price, and the estimated number of trades was less than half the number predicted by standard theory. The magic of the market did not work for a good that was that owners expected to use. So super, super fascinating. If you did not have uh, the mug, and I, I put an image in this week's newsletter uh, to illustrate this point of the endowment effect and this mug experiment, uh, and you can find that at productthinking.cc, linked in the show notes, of course. But if you did not have it, you know, on average, the purchase price was around $3, so $2.87. If you did own it, if you got this mug just randomly, then 
what the price you were willing to sell at was above $7. So $7.12 was the price that they found for the $6 mug. So a super fascinating thing. It was more than double what the the price was that people were, were willing to pay. So this is the endowment effect. The value of something that you have versus something that you don't have. You know, people who did not have these mugs, they were willing to pay about $3 for it. But the people who did have them were not willing to sell them for less than seven. So what does that have to do with airplane seats? I came across an article in the New York Times, and I've seen a number of videos and comments as well about being willing to switch seats on planes. And basically not doing it. Uh, the The article in the New York Times was, I was unwilling to trade seats twice. Am I the asshole or something like that? <laughs> the short answer is yes. Uh, the justification that they give in this New York Times article is that the seat is your seat. You, It is the one that you either chose or were assigned and it's on your ticket and you shouldn't have to switch unless you're willing to. This is the endowment effect in action. And it's, it's, it can be a crazy thing. My wife and I uh, recently saw this as we traveled to and from Italy. So an Italian family with two young kids was traveling together. So they were four in total, a mother, a father, and two kids, presumably. Uh, that's what we were looking at. And there were, were four seats in the middle of the plane but they only had tickets for three of them. So the mother and the two children were sitting together and then there was a stranger sitting next to them. Now the dad had a different seat about two rows behind the row that the mother and the two children were sitting in on the aisle of the outside. So presumably in in my opinion, a, a good a really good seat. It wasn't changing like classes. You weren't going from like premium seating to non-premium or, or or whatever some of the justifications that you'll sometimes see. It was going from an aisle to an aisle seat and rather than in the row of four, in a row of two. So uh, a, a pretty good situation and just two rows away from, from where everybody was sitting. So the dad approached this man and asked him if he would switch seats, kind of explained that this was his family. This was like a 10-hour flight, too. The man refused. He said he wouldn't switch seats, and quoting that he doesn't switch seats. And I was just sitting in shock, as this stranger seemed to want to sit next to these two young kids for a 10-hour flight, rather than let their dad sit with them, which I I thought was super weird and kind of creepy, actually. But... That's, that's ultimately what happened. And so the dad had to sit over on the other side and kind of keep coming over. And, and, you know, ultimately like the kids were, you know, watching movies and and at one point falling asleep because it was a super long flight and all of that. But this is part of this idea of the endowment effect. We value the item that we have more than other items that we don't have. We think the airplane seat on our ticket is the best one. And it would be, it would take an upgrade to get us to move because a straight switch is a downgrade in our minds. For that reason, so many people fall victim to this fallacy and are unwilling to switch seats and write New York Times articles, you know, justifying this idea that no, you don't have to switch seats and, and you know, nobody's forcing you to switch seats, but trying to justify this idea that 
you know, because you have a seat printed on your ticket, that you shouldn't consider uh, other things going on on the plane. And you, know, you should uh, value that seat above other seats on the airplane. So it is similar to the students in the experiment uh, that we just were discussing. The mug that they received was worth about $6, but as soon as they owned the mug, they valued it more than its actual worth. And spoiler alert, all the seats on the airplane are shitty, unless you're sitting in like first class and, and have a bed or something like that. If you're not switching classes or seating location from an aisle to a middle or, or whatever, it's all the same. But we struggle to see this because of the endowment effect. So the authors of this Times article want to justify the behavior because it's what's on your ticket. And we cognitively want to justify the behavior because maybe we planned ahead or we chose our seat. But they're all justifications of this endowment effect. On these particular flights, too, they had changed everything on us probably a dozen times. You know, my wife and I had booked months in advance, and yet they switched our seat many, many times and even changed the days and the times and the cities that we were flying to and from, which was fine for us because it was just the two of us traveling. So we were more flexible. Um, but we had to keep calling the airline to get it fixed and to get on better flights for our itinerary or to get the days changed back because you know, they were switching us to like different days and things like that. If our kids had been traveling with us, it would have been much more difficult. We probably would have had to rely on the kindness of a stranger to switch so that we could sit as a family after the airline had switched our flight and our planes and our booking multiple times. There are many reasons seats may not be together. Uh, you know, booking four seats together may not be an option. You know, flight schedules change, events come up last minute, plans change. Any of these are possibilities. And you can be certain that the airline will never help you out. So it really is up to each of us as individuals to help each other more. And, you know, that's just the little plug I'll put in there for being a little bit more human when you're looking at uh, switching seats on the airplane. But let's get back to the status quo and talking about the endowment effect because we're so wired as people to avoid losses. And because losses hurt twice as bad as gains feel good, we have a tendency to defend the status quo. For anyone who has tried to implement change on a team or in a department or in an organization, you know just how difficult that can be. Part of this is due to loss aversion and the endowment effect. Change of any kind is often perceived as a loss, especially to those most impacted by the change, even if change can be good for everyone, like switching seats on an airplane. It is still change, and one party may fight in order to avoid what they perceive as a potential loss. So, uh, quoting again from uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, in human affairs, the same principle. The same simple rule explains much of what happens when institutions attempt to reform themselves in reorganizations and restructuring of companies and in effort, efforts to rationalize a bureaucracy, simplify the tax code, or reduce medical costs. Loss aversion is a powerful conservative force that favors minimal changes from the status quo in the lives of both institutions and individuals. So it is human nature and animal nature 
to defend our territory and avoid losses. But if we're not thoughtful about it, we can end up doing more harm than good to ourselves and our teams and our community. Not every change is necessarily good. Not every person who wants to switch seats on an airplane needs to, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be thoughtful about change and understand that it may be the endowment effect that is ultimately stopping us or stopping our team or stopping our organization. So once you recognize the endowment effect or loss aversion, you'll begin to see it far more frequently. Hopefully you can more easily identify it in yourself as well. When are you holding on to things or valuing your own possessions or ideas more simply because you already have them? And when it comes to flying, we need to recognize we're all just people trying to get somewhere in a giant flying metal tube. So have some empathy. It doesn't mean we always have to switch seats with anyone for any reason, but the world would be a little bit, a little bit better if we are a little kinder and recognize the cognitive biases and fallacies we're prone to, like the endowment effect, and try to overcome them rather than assume everyone's motives are bad but our own. So hopefully that has been an interesting discussion, an intro to airplane switch, seat switching and the endowment effect. And having some empathy and understanding our own fallacies, we'll probably dive a lot more into the endowment effect and loss aversion because it's a super fascinating topic, lots to say on it. But for now, you know, check out more at productthinking.cc where you can sub- subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Uh, there is a free version or a paid version. Check out either of those. You can, of course, follow us on social media at Product Thinking, just one T in the middle on Twitter or on TikTok. And follow me in both of those places as well at Kyle Larry Evans. All the links are in the show notes. So until next time, keep questioning all those assumptions and having empathy for those around you. And we will talk again next.